It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For EP 182, I'm Jake Elliott. My co-host name is Brad Challoner. We're happy to be with you, and you, well, we're happy you're, we hope you're happier with us, is what Playoffs, I'm trying to say. Jumbo. Yes. Playoffs, Jumbo. Yes. Playoffs, man. I'm a little excited here. We made it. I can't, honestly, I can't believe it's the regular season is over, man. Like, December 3rd does not seem all that long ago to me. This season as a whole just flew by. Yeah, especially with all the stops and starts and games getting rescheduled and fans and no fans and all the adversity but we went through. Doesn't that seem like a distant memory season. at this point it to you? Feels, it feels some of it does. Like I said, December third. I feel like I was in Hamilton yesterday. Like it still feels like it was absolutely yesterday. Now here we are in May, and all these games are down, and almost a million people walk through the doors of these arenas and all the storylines and all the heroes and all the hot teams that are now ice cold and all the cold teams that are now red hot. It's been everything. It's been, I think we'll we'll look back at this season one day and go, man, you remember 2022 and how bonkers that was coming off of COVID. Honestly, we're never going to forget the the last couple of years. We'd like to, but we're just not going to be able to. The last couple of years of our lives have been just, bonkers um before we get into it all how's it how's it going how was the weekend i know you were in uh cow town for a big game but uh what else what else is going on what's new weekend weekend was great i i love calgary just such good eats in calgary when oh, nice... yeah, where'd you go you went somewhere fancy look like yeah teddy drug us to um he drugged us and then he drug us <laughs> to a restaurant called titro which is their chief culinary officer is a former oh minor goaltender from the Victoria Shamrocks organization that Teddy grew up with. So we went there. Um, it's like a super high end Italian place. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of place you walk out of though. And you need to hit a drive through on the way home. Cause you're still, I, no, I call no, actually I call it a per diem buster oh. because those places you just blow your whole per diem in one meal before you even, you know, basically right when you get off the plane, but Really good Italian food. Got into the red wine, which I normally don't get into. So Saturday morning was a little, uh, was a little groggy heading to shoot around, but a fantastic game, Calgary and Colorado, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here on, on Saturday night. And that rolled into like, this might be, like, we don't know what the TSN schedule is going to look like over the next month. So we were kind of celebrating like this could be our, our last time together this season. And, and who knows what it'll look like. Pat Gregoire, Ashley Docking and John Abbott on the call this weekend in in Hamilton for the Toronto rock Halifax Thunderbirds game. So we, uh, we were, we were toasting like it was the end of the season for us and hopefully it's not, but we were celebrating like it was. And yeah, Calgary is just such a hospitable town, great food, great drinks in Calgary. Well, if you go back, Caesar's steakhouse is where you, that's I was telling them. That's where Denise used to take the stealth brass back in the day. I hadn't gone there, but that's, that's like what that's Alberta steak. That's the premium stuff. Yeah, It's, you know, you get the, 
the Italian waiter with the the curly mustache and the the you know the the, the white towel draped over his arm. It's old school stuff in there, and, and the beef is just uh, delightful. So yeah, I missed you missed you at Rogers Arena on Saturday. Actually, Friday took a little rip up to Kelowna to pick up Danny's daughter from school and move her back home. And on the way up, took a little. Took a little detour to play some disc golf at this course at Logan Lake. I don't know if you know where Logan Lake I is. I knew it. It's just outside of Merritt, right? right? I know yeah. friends at a camp used to used to camp at Logan Lake. It is unbelievable. Like no, like I was the only person. Why is there on the one cor- there? Like well, just because of know. the campgrounds nearby? Well, like no one lives there. No, it's I guess just like it's the perfect piece of land for for a disc golf course. But essentially there was nobody else on the course except Danny and I, and it is a phenomenal disc golf track so really enjoyed that then ripped up to Kelowna was back uh on Friday night and and then off to Rogers Arena on Saturday so that was kind of kind of my weekend how did uh how did our friend Tino Ferra do doing color with you and oh man Tino I know he was was a little nervous coming in and and uh there was one funny moment where he was you know how the camera's behind us um, for when we do our, our on camera stuff, but when we're calling the yeah. game, we're looking out on the turf, so our backs to the camera. So Tino's got his headset on, and, and Jim says to him, "You know, Tino, just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me." And Tino's like giving a thumbs up to the turf with his back to the. Ca- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Tino, can't see you yeah, from there. Behind you, behind. Uh, you. I haven't, I haven't listened back yet, but I knew the kid was he was shitting bricks this week. But I think from all I've accounts, oh, he, he did fantastic, great. man. He text, I, yeah, he, you know, he, he texted me. Oh, I said the one line that he regretted that he texted me. And I'm like, that wasn't even. I've said <laughs> thirty things worse on Saturday night on on TSN than he did on this. Yeah, he mentioned something about killing about. seals, and I just said, you know, careful, you're gonna get PETA after you. And he was like, oh, I can't believe, I, <laughs> can't believe I said that. And I was like, don't even worry about that. that's not. As long as you don't, uh, I said to him. As long as you don't say clubbing seals, yes. you'll be you'll be okay. That's 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 the that, no. That's no. across. And the then line. you send me, and then you you. Oh, rib night! Send me a picture. It turns out it was rib night at Rogers Arena, we, which is the one night we've been waiting. They feed they feed us at Rogers Arena better than any arena in the across league. the league in the league. Yeah, and that's not just us saying that. One either. night, one night a year you get rib night and it just so happened. It was the one Vancouver game that I missed. It brought a smile to my face, Brad, knowing that you were missing out on rib night because I was missing out being with you in in Calgary and missing you being with me in Vancouver. But rib night kind of made up for all of that. And uh, Dan and I had a little chuckle over dinner and and Tino enjoyed it as well. So rib night was exceptional and and you missed out. uh, But, but you, you know, you got your four dollar kale chicken Caesars. And well, kale. that's I, I don't know if you know this, Jumbo, but at the Saddle Dome, it's yeah. a paid cafeteria. Oh, I know. Yeah, downstairs for all, cheap for all the employees, and it's dirt cheap though. It's like a buck fifty chicken strips, and yeah. Teddy and I usually get kale, keep it light, kale chicken Caesar salads before the game for four dollars. Throw a seventy five cent coffee on there, and you get a full meal with that under five bucks. They, uh, they do it right there, too. So shout out to the good people at the Saddle Dome. No doubt. Uh, big news of the week. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last Tuesday when it when it came out. So we're going to do it right now. Big news. Woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> your dog noises are way better than your horse noises, by the way. Way desert better. dogs. Yeah. Las Vegas desert dogs. We knew the ownership group, but now they've officially announced that the Hall of Famer, the legend, Sean Williams, will be the head coach and general manager of the desert dogs. They've unveiled the logo, um, which is, which is pretty clean. It's a sort of a cool looking coyotes head with the lacrosse sticks behind it. 
and the color scheme, which right now is black and white, look by all accounts, looks like it's going to stay that way. I noticed that a lot of their merch that they're rolling out has camouflage incorporated onto mm. it. So I wouldn't mind seeing that because that would be super different. Yes. And camo is like my favorite color of all time. Where, where do you stand on the lacrosse sticks in the logo debate? Yeah. Are yeah. they needed? I th- I think they are for the most part, Brad. Like I, especially for a new, like we're still 36 years young here in the National Lacrosse League. And lacrosse is not into the mainstream where we need it to be. And I think it's appropriate and necessary to associate your brand with a stick sometimes, especially in a new market. Like maybe not in Vancouver where everybody knows lacrosse whether you play it or watch it or whatever you know about lacrosse but in vegas i don't know how many people are talking about the professional team down there and i think it just helps your brand let people know who you are what you are so i mean i would have been okay without it i'm okay with it as well i don't even think it really needs to be an issue yeah it's not a hill i'm willing to stand or die upon i agree like maybe you don't need it everywhere vancouver didn't use one when they relaunched the warriors organization but vegas is it's a little bit of a different story so i don't mind having it there you can see that they're already out on location at at various events and not always lacrosse events so i do think that uh, i do think that that helps they could have done a little better with the sticks i mean i like the logo i don't mind the colors and all that i think there's a lot that you can do with it they could have just put a little more detail into the sticks if i'm my only gripe is the color like Give me something. Well, I think something's coming. A... I think some. I mean, Brooklyn Nets are black and white, um, so I think there's there's some there, something there with with Joe Sai, who's the majority owner. Vegas, you got you got the black and silver, and I think we may see a little silver incorporated to to kind of go along with that. I think like you you might be onto something with the camo, and the still the coming in hot. I think this is just the the base rollout here and we could see some more things coming. Of course you got Wayne Gretzky with the LA Kings and, and that color scheme as well. So it all kind of makes sense there down in the desert. And, and I think more to come, by the way, did you see the, the little tweet there from Jojo Walters who got himself a little swag pack courtesy of the desert dogs, which seemingly came to him ahead of everybody else which makes me believe in some capacity Joe Walters will be a part of the Desert Dogs. Speculation, yeah, the, but that's kind of where I'm going. Let let the speculation begin. He could be he'd be great in a broadcast booth. Um he's a great scout, personality and coach. sort of uh, influencer of the game. Yeah, maybe an American scout, offensive coordinator. Uh you got Sean Williams who's going to be a rookie head coach and general manager living in market which is great so he can plant his plant his roots there and start um, start building his team and who that team will be. We don't know. Like there's speculation. He's, he's really good friends with Steve told as he lure him out of, out of Panther city to come join another expansion team. Um, John Grant jr. Is a scout for Panther city mm-hmm. lacrosse club. Does he want to get behind and a bench and start no, doing up some X's nose? I don't know. No to Willie in Vegas. Players are not going to players are going to have a tough time saying no. Anybody that he wants on that bench is gonna have a tough time saying no. Yeah, and I like um, I like the whole the the kind of the desert dog 
mentality, the pack mentality, the kind of the scrappy. Yeah, like I like that. The Desert Dogs, Double D. I like. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, so and- we've got a brand. You're starting to see. We're gonna have an expansion draft this summer. You're starting to see maybe a little bit of roster maneuvering happening. I know Calgary Roughnecks this weekend. They they put a practice player protection tag on goaltender Adam Bland. As did Vancouver so now, with Sample, if, right? If, if yeah, if if Calgary heads into expansion draft now, they're going to protect Elbianco, but then they also have a guy like Bland or. Landon Kells, who would be available for expansion. So you lose one, you keep one. It's 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 a little yeah. insurance there. And Vancouver did the same thing with um, with Thomas Semple. So they're going to have to protect him now because they like what they got in the guy that they scooped out of Georgia for nothing mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Speaking of nothing, uh, Evan kind of dropping the news that he thinks Lane Rushka might be an unrestricted free agent again because he finished the season on the practice roster which uh, might be enticing for some teams as well. Well, that's been, and we can't confirm or deny this, but what has happened in past is if you finish the season on the practice roster, you are a free agent. Yeah. And so that's why you see a protected practice tag is a little bit different. There's some guys, Sam LaRue is on a protected practice tag in Buffalo right now. And that, but, but that means that they have to be protected at the end of the season. So Let's talk about playoffs first, and we playoffs! can get the expansion draft stuff this summer. Um, we'll just burn through the games because we really want to focus on the four matchups that are happening this weekend. But let's start on Super Saturday. All seven games happening for the first time in NLL history. 14 teams in action on one night. First time it's ever happened. Get it will happen it. again, and it. it'll happen more. Exactly. Uh, but Albany, man, talk about punching your ticket to the postseason 17 nine that's over. the way you walk through the front door right that there. is how you say don't forget about us we don't care that we're nine and nine we are here joe reciter ends the season with 111 points tough not to make a case for him to be the first american mvp since casey, casey powell 2010 jumbo yeah that uh he's in the mix for sure as joey Rez. what a season for him especially kind of stepping up into that one hole with callum leaving and he just wondered, was the offense going to be – was, was there, was there going to be enough without Callum and, and Steph there? And, and Albany, some nights there was some some issues in the goal-scoring department, but more often than not, they did enough to win games, and they surely did enough in this one, putting up 17. They just two, four, six, five. They just got stronger as the game went along, and, and Dougie does think they got off to a slow start. I think they were down 4-2 at one point. And then do the math, uh, you know, 15-5 the rest of the way. So, impressive win there for Albany. And that's, like I said, the way you want to walk into the playoffs, just like that. Yeah, that team's just been cool as a cucumber all season. Even when they don't, they're not listening to the naysayers. They don't give a crap about any of that. They had to win their last three, basically, to get themselves there, which is exactly what they did. And you're right, that's how you want to sort of make a statement heading into the postseason. I don't think if you talk to anybody in that room, you hear the belief from the players interviews over the last few weeks. We've spoken to Glenn Clark, like this team believed that they were there, probably not the way they wanted to go about doing it, but I don't think they really doubted it for a second that they would get there. As we go down South and I know Phillies had their challenges this year, but they end up finishing nine and nine, eliminating the Georgia swarm in overtime, another close game between these two teams and Philly punches up. They beat Georgia again this year, which they've done, and they do it in overtime, Jake, where they are five. Oh, my goodness. And 
Oh, how good does that have to feel for not only Coach Paul Day, but that entire locker room, the calming feeling that they must have if they get in, get themselves into an overtime game, five and oh, that that is something to take note of, because as we know, in the playoffs, we're going to have some tight games here. And for Philly to come into Georgia, do it on the road, get another overtime victory. They finish at 500, as do the Swarm. But that victory right there was massive for that Philadelphia Wings team. They're going to have to stay on the road and, and go a long way to San Diego. But Blaze Done Reardon. It Done it already. Yeah, Blaze Reardon, the overtime hero. And uh, we're going to talk to Ben McIntosh. In. We didn't say what we got coming up on the program here, Brad. Supposed to keep me in check there. We got Jamie Dowick, of course, the owner of the Toronto Rock GM as well, and Ben McIntosh in quarter three uh, of the Philadelphia Wings. So we'll talk to Benny Mack a lot about this playoff matchup with Philly and San Diego. But uh, kudos to Coach Day and the Wings. And if I look back and think about it at the start of the season, Georgia was, was one of my teams that I thought was going to be on the outside looking in. Just with the amount of turnover that they had in the offseason, but still a real solid year there for the Swarm. 9-9, I know, disappointing not making the postseason, but just a little inconsistent at times, and uh, that team's only going to get better from here on out. First time they've missed since moving to Georgia, and you have to think, like, now is this the end of the Mike Poulin era, and then they have Wendy behind them, but giving up on Rushka again. A, a tough year for Georgia, who started out slow, had a great middle of the season and then it's sort of fallen off here late. And Lyle just not enough to carry the entire team all season long. But I want to go back to Philly, and we'll talk to Benny Mack again, like you said. But Blaze Reardon in the post-game interview said the most battle-tested team won. And maybe that's the, the mentality that Philly has right now. Yeah, people have been shitting on us all season, and we haven't had a great record, and we haven't beaten strong teams. But I feel like if that battle-tested mentality is what this team is building upon – they can take that into San Diego and good things can happen. And I think we could see a four, one upset, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, Halifax, they get back in the win column. They're struggling in the second half of the season, but they beat Rochester for the second time in the second half this season, 13, 10, they lock up third place. They'll take on the Toronto rock. Um, and then Toronto played against the Buffalo bandits, 10, Seven. We'll break this one down with Jamie Dawick in a few minutes. But Dean Smith. I can't believe this, Brad. Two points shy of tying his own career and league record for points in a season. Three points shy of breaking it. But he's held over against Nick Rose and the Toronto Rock. I can't believe it. No one can. Mike Whittingham, our stat guy on TSN, dug up this nugget for us. You know when the last time it happened for Dane? Five years ago, probably. Exactly. 2017 yeah. was the last time he was held without a point. Listen, a I, I was on the broadcast, and there was like seven games going on, so I could not keep my eyeballs. I was paying a, a real close attention to Philly and, and Georgia and the Albany game as well, and then had the Calgary-Colorado game on out of the corner of my eye because that directly in, impacted the broadcast. So I didn't even really get a chance to watch any of Toronto and Buffalo and like an idiot during the broadcast, I start we you know got off of track a little bit and started talking about rookie of the year and MVP and all that sort of stuff. And I said, 
thinking to myself, there is no way Dane Smith is not getting two or three points in that game. He's been averaging like 10 a game over. And I said, you know, Dane Smith breaking his own record, thinking, okay, that's probably a safe assumption. Last time I'll be doing that for quite some time uh, because... <laughs> what do they say I mean, about looked, making a stump? Yeah, what, what, how do you spell You can't what, you, assume, right? Yeah. What is this? Assuming makes you an and me when I do that. Not you and me. So uh, don't, uh, don't ever don't do, do that, that, kids, uh, you young, aspiring, bro- aspiring broadcasters. I, my eyeballs popped out of my head when I got home and started looking at stat lines and saw, I thought it was a typo. I think we joked about it last week. Like, I almost wonder... It was a weird game because it didn't matter in the standings for these two teams. It's a it's a historical grudge match and a historical rivalry between Toronto and Buffalo. But you don't want to get hurt heading into the postseason, but you also don't want to limp into the postseason. And so it was a weird game in that regard. Like I don't know how much teams were wanting to show each other, how hard they were going to go all out. Sure. But I wonder if it was like, hey guys, let's just play spoiler for Dean. Yeah, tonight maybe. and lock him off and he had and 11 shots on goal so that's rosy yeah that's rosy right there incredible uh tough tough there for dane to not you know i don't know if that gets matched again right with one game to go you need two points to break your own record that is not an easy feat to to accomplish and it's going to be real hard to get back to that moment in time for him to do again or try and do again or somebody else to do again. I don't think people were appreciating enough what, what he was doing this season right up until that last game. Tough one. No, just because of how, how the team was, was rolling and everybody else contributing him. And I know that there's some that, some that think, you know, MVP should go to a more valuable piece of a franchise like, mm. like Matt Vince or Joe Reseteritz. But I'm starting to think, I'm not starting to think of, you take Dane Smith out of the lineup and are those other guys scoring 30 plus goals because he is their feeder. Yeah. So does Nana Coke have the successful year that he has and Cloutier and Byrne and everybody else. Like Dane Smith is still the, the draw, the star that, that turns that drink. And I don't know if there's a, another well, for me, it's for, co for MVPs this year, Brad. Like I think both Zach Courier and Dane Smith deserve to share the award this year. That's just my personal opinion. Have we? There's never been a. Has there ever been a shares? There's been a shared rookie and a shared. Well, I think we might get shared rookie, shared rookie too. I like think. I think those two awards should almost be co this year because there's just too good of performances by more than one guy to to just hand it to one guy and, and disrespect another. So I'm I'm okay with it if they go co, but that's not my decision. Obviously, let's move along. Toronto is the hottest team heading into the postseason on a five-game winning streak. The second hottest team to wrap up the season, Jumbo. The Saskatchewan Rush, yeah, 4-0 under head coach Jimmy Quinlan. They finish just shy of the postseason, but on a four-game winning streak, their longest of the season, the second hottest team in the last month of the season have been the Saskatchewan Rush, who go down to Panther City. Panther City is going to finish the season at 7-11, and 11, pretty solid, but they were in a playoff hunt up until the last couple of weeks as well. So credit Tracy Koleski and that, true, and that crew down there. But where was this rush team all season long? Cam Dunkerley gets How about the start it from in Panther City. Offense comes to life again. They put up 13 on Nikki Demud and the Panther City Lacrosse Club. Hold them to nine. Yeah, And I, there's got to be so many what-if moments now 
for the rush if they look back on this season. Yeah, that's going to be the the thought in those guys. Uh, Jeff Schauer playing his last game. But shout out to, to Cam Dunkerley getting his first NLL win. That's big. I think Orleman was in the other end for that one as well. And just one of those games that wasn't going to impact the standings. All it does is impact your draft result or, or selection. Uh, but good on Saskatchewan and Jimmy Quinlan coming down the stretch here. That team didn't fold it up and, and kept playing hard, and, and they get a win on their last game of the year. And, hey, from where Panther City started out of the gates here to where they finished, real impressive season down there in Fort Worth, Texas for TK and the, and the gang, and, and their future is looking pretty good as well. Winning record in their last 10, 6-4. and four to wrap up this season. Pretty super, super impressive. Good. And lots of stuff for the fans to build upon. Get out there and watch City. Panther City there, Fort Worth, Texas. And I think the Rush had some fun down there after that uh, sure. After that game as well. Like, not a bad place to wrap up your season and get to spend some time in Fort Worth. Put that on the, on the road trip bucket list for sure. Calgary, Colorado. This game could have had a first-place team <laughs> on either side of the ledger. There was like the last two games of the night between Colorado, Calgary, and San Diego, Vancouver. First to third in the West was up for grabs. This one was essentially for a home playoff game. Calgary wins it 14-11. They're up by seven goals at one point. And Colorado starts chipping away like they're playing against the Vancouver Warriors twice this year. They make it really interesting. It's a one-goal game late, and then Calgary gets a couple um, timely empty netters. Eli Salama kind of ices it at 12-11. And Calgary is going to host the Colorado Mountain next year. Like, I don't know if this. Unbelievable. They came from nowhere, Brad. A lot of people had the Roughnecks dead and buried, defending champs. This t- this is what this team does. They start slow and they finish strong. They did it again to the Calgary Roughnecks. Got a little dicey there against the Mammoth. And, and I had the corner of my eye on this one. I was like, well, it's, you know, I kept going to my producer, like, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. And Calgary hangs on and somehow, some way, hosts a playoff game. And <laughs> Calgary and Colorado are going to play in the playoffs again. Again. You know what Colorado's record is? Not good. It's like 11 and 1. Or sorry, 1 and 11 against yeah. Yeah, that's, Calgary. That's the, the definition. The regular season numbers, good. Colorado has the leg up. It's like 28 to 20 something. But the postseason record is just, it's haunting and alarming. Uh, Junior still doesn't sleep from it. And you know the message is going to be that, no, you know, there's probably nobody on that team or maybe just a couple of guys from y- yesteryear that will remember the history. And I think Colorado will do everything in their power to just not even mention or bring that. We'll do all that, Brad, but they're not thinking about that or talking about that. They're just looking to go beat the Roughnecks in a one-game showdown. And I think they could easily do it. That game could go either way. Well, it's so tough. It's so tough to beat a team in two consecutive weekends. And so Calgary does in the last game of the regular season. Now it's almost like they're at a disadvantage heading into their own home playoff game because it's against the same team. And they just narrowly got out of it, right? So you know that Pat Coyle is going to make his adjustments. The Mammoth could have Tyson Gibson back, who was on COVID protocol last weekend. That was a big loss. That was a couple goals away from he's going to add a couple goals and put out another dynamic to that righty side. That's another couple goals away from yeah. being a closer lacrosse game. Dylan Ward, who 
got lit up by Curtis Dixon in the first half. Six. Dixon scored, scored six, five unanswered. I, I don't know if I've ever seen, I've never <sighs> called five unanswered before. It was absolutely incredible. And he had not played the first two games against Colorado, right? So this is his first game against the Mammoth this season. And just didn't matter what he was throwing, low to low, low to high, sidearm, one-on-one drives, everything was falling for Curtis Dixon. One of the craziest things, just not to get off topic here, but one of the craziest things I ever called, well, one was Charles Claxton scoring two goalie goals in a single game. That was bonkers in Maple Ridge. But in Langley one night, Lewis Ratcliffe scored four goals, and I want to say in a row himself, in a minute and 11 seconds against Nanaimo and Zach Boychuk. Wow. Almost a WA right Before you finished talking about one goal and queuing up the replay. Yeah. Like, it he was scores crazy. Another another it was another. crazy. Anyways. So, yeah, Calgary gets the big victory, and uh, we got one more game to talk about here. San Diego, Vancouver, as, you know, this game wasn't as physical as I thought it was going to be. I thought Vancouver, the chance to play their arch nemesis on the final game of the season and send them limping into the postseason. San Diego had lost six in a row, ripe for the picking. But you were there in Vancouver Rogers Arena. San Diego comes out with a 10-9 victory. Even how did they pull this one out? Well, just a good second quarter, really. Uh, outscoring Vancouver 5-2. to two. And, and Vancouver, you know, they won the first. They tied the third. They won the fourth. But there just wasn't a whole lot of goal scoring in the second half. Both goaltenders in, in Frankie and Alexis were very good in this game. And it was... It was a high-energy, high-tempo kind of contest. Like, they were going up and down the turf, back and forth, high-quality scoring opportunities. It, it was really a, a entertaining game start to finish here. It was tight the whole way, and it was a lot of fun to call. <laughs> we'll talk about it here in, in, in mere moments, but... I know it came in a losing effort, but the performance that Reed Bowering put on in that game was just remarkable. Like, absolutely remarkable what the rookie did in this one. But Vancouver loses 10-9, and uh, their season's done. San Diego snaps their six-game losing streak. And with that, get to host. They finish in the one seed after losing six in a row. And they're going to take on the Philadelphia Wings at home at Pechanga, which I know was the goal from the get-go here for the Seals. They wanted to finish at the top of the West, and they wanted to host a playoff game. It looked in jeopardy for a long time, but on the final game of the regular season, they get it done and finish 10-8 and eight first in the West. Before we break down the four playoff games this weekend, I say we just head to the stables, brah. Let's giddy up! <laughs> We should change it to the Stampede Coyote of the Week. Clearly, I can do a better coyote call than I can a horse call. Yeah, that that was rather pathetic, I must say. No, stop it. Uh, Stampede Stallions of the Week brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western, where spring is in the air. It's time to pack away the toque and get yourself a new hat. Stetson, Bullhide, Bailey, 
Felt hats, straw hats, palm hats. They got a ton of hats at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Check them out at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. Or head out to the compound in Cloverdale, Highway 10 in the corner of 180th. They've been there since 1966. Hats, kids, men, women. Need a hat? Stampede Tack. Brad, your Stampede Stallion of the Week, please. Number 68 in your program for the Calgary Roughnecks, Tyler Pace. Mm. Three goals, three assists, six shots on goal, uh, a loose ball. But this is his first full season in the National Lacrosse League. And no surprise, career high, goals, points, assists. But really, if you look at his game, he is an elite righty in this league. And he's a big reason why Curtis Dixon was open for the six goals that he scored. His two man game is absolutely elite. He's got vision and good chemistry with, with Hayden Dixon and with Curtis Dixon himself. And when he has to finish, he buries three goals on six shots is efficient and clean. And when all that attention is paid on to Curtis Dixon, it's a quick flip behind the back pass to a wide open Tyler pace in the slot. And High percentage shots, he's going to bury every time. He's a he's a big point on their power play, and it's no surprise to me that the Roughnecks' success this season, late in this year, is when Tyler Pace became a full-time National Lacrosse League player, and he's been contributing and a big part of this Roughneck offense that's rolling into the postseason. Super high IQ on Tyler Pace. Let's not forget, former number one overall pick in the WLA as well. And an absolute hammer for a shot and accurate on top of that. He's just really good at lacrosse as Tyler Pace. He's really good. And I, I, that's why I'm shining the light on him here because I don't think people have seen enough of him to appreciate what he does. But he is uh, he's still elite, young too, elite lacrosse player. Still young. Like, yeah, I don't think he's hit his prime yet. And, and that's a little scary. What else is scary is my Stampede Stallion of the Week. We just talked about him in Reed. Bowering and the stat line reads like this, Brad. One goal, two shots on goal, four block shots, two cause turnovers, and 23 loose balls in his final game of the season. To tie the rookie record, he led the entire league in block shots. He's a rookie. He tied the record for loose balls by a rookie. He I think set the record for cause turnovers. Set the record for cause turnovers. Put in 13 goals. He's the highest scoring pure defenseman in the league. And I don't know if he ever came off the turf on Saturday night. Absolutely ridiculous how many times I mentioned his name during the evening. And it was warranted. And some of these loose balls that he had in that game, wait till you watch it, Brad. Like he picks one up one handed and with his stick vertical does a 360 with the ball in his stick and splits through a double team and is off to the races like it. And he's a rookie. And I just think to myself, where is this guy going to be in five years from now? He is a superstar already. And he is this week's stampede stallion of the week. Tyler pace rebounding couple of good Coquitlam boys into the stable. You go former teammates. There you go. All right, playoff time here, Brad. We got four big matchups to break down and uh, not a lot of time to do it. So let's get after it. 
So the one and done quarterfinal matchups will begin this weekend. Eight teams left in the chase for the championship. Let's start Friday night, the TSN game of the week. As mentioned, John Abbott, Pat Gregor, Ashley Docking. Third place Halifax will visit second place Toronto at 4.30 p.m. West Coast. Some staggered tart times times this weekend. We've got a great, great slate. But let's start in Toronto. Halifax beat Toronto twice this season. Early Early in the season before Toronto started rolling. And then Halifax has had its hiccups. We're going to talk about the odds on this game with Evan and and Coolbet and stuff coming up later. Um, But I don't know how Toronto, the way that they're playing loses this lacrosse game to the Halifax Thunderbirds who have just been all over the map in the last half of the season. Yeah. That's the only thing that worries me a little bit is I'm maybe overconfident in Toronto beating Halifax. And sometimes when I get like that, it goes the other way. Not that I have any impact on the result whatsoever, just a gut feeling, but I think Toronto wins this game. I think it's going to be tight, but For me, where the rubber hits the road in this matchup is in goal. And Nick Rose is at the top of his game. And the combination of Warren Hill and Aaron Bold just haven't been up to that level in quite some time. So talk a lot about goalies on this podcast and and how important they are to your team. And right now, Nick Rose, I think, is the best goalie in the NLL. And that gets Toronto through this game. Yeah, he's on fire. As you say that, though, I start thinking in my mind about what Bold has done in the playoffs in his career. And you have to think they go back to Warren Hill to start this game. But it has to be on a short leash. And then you've got a guy who's been a championship MVP in Bold. And yeah, he's longer in the tooth now. But I think they're deeper in net than Toronto. Nick Rose is on fire right now. But if they, if, if the wheels sort of fall off the wagon what can Nick Rose backups do? I have a little bit more faith there. Halifax. So that might be the saving grace. If Hill, I could see maybe Hill struggling bold comes in and, but at that point, Brad, if you're, chasing, second half or something. if you're chasing the starting goaltender though, are you, you got to really, be down? Yeah, yeah. You're down big. Yeah. You got to be down big for sure. So, so they need to get started. Whoever they start, they need a good start out of that goalie. That's the only bright spot I see. Halifax. Like honestly, the odds, tell it differently but i see this as the most lopsided first round matchup and it's i'm sorry to say that but that's just how i'm, I'm seeing this one that's at 4 30 west coast on tsn nicely staggered coming right up after that 6 30 p.m west coast colorado mammoth third place calgary roughnecks second place unreal chance for these t2 teams to reunite but as i alluded to a few minutes ago Like almost unfortunate for Calgary that they have to do this on back-to-back weekends at home because it's so tough to pull that off. Are they thinking like that, Brad? Are they obviously they're not thinking of it? But if you look at history and look at what you know what you and I speculate about, it's tough to do that. But this this game to me is the coin flip game of the weekend. It probably should have had the closest odds. They're not looking at the history. I can tell you that Teddy and I spoke to Pat Coyle and Kurt Malowski last week, talked about that playoff record. They both kind of say like, so what, yeah. you know, like that's, it, that's old teams is different teams. It's, as you said, there's only a handful of players left on either one of those rosters from the last time they met in the postseason. but considering how tight it was last week, this game to me is the coin flip. They got have to have two of the best goaltenders in the world going head to head 
you have that hope Dixon matchup all night long instead of just the second half. This one is going to be really tough to call. <sighs> I have the coin flip on this game. How uh, could you not? I guess. I don't know. I, I'm taking the home team here. I think that's the difference. I think that's what Calgary worked for in the back half of this season is to get a home playoff game for this scenario right here. If it was in Colorado, I'm taking the mammoth. But because- it is so I I will give you that. Like so Colorado hasn't won a game on the road since February. They're oh they're 0 and 6 in their last wow, six on the road. They're seven and two at home. I know that's a bit of a concern. Gotta be. And it's a quick turnaround, right? So as we've talked, fleshed this more out a little bit, you know, they didn't get home till some of those guys weren't getting back to Denver until Sunday night, late Sunday. And now they're coming back on Thursday morning. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That circle that one down. Do not miss that game if you're if you're watching anything this weekend. It's gonna be a gooder. Yeah, it is. I, I think that both coaches are brilliant and are both gonna sort of figure out what what went wrong. And I, I think Kermalowski was very positive in his post-game press conference after that Calgary game. I didn't think he would be. I thought he was would find some holes, but I think he's putting a positive spin on this for for his club to keep the momentum going. And he is happy with some of the things that he was seeing. And Dixon, we talked about, has been electric right now. Tyler Pace chipping in. Um, I see positives on both sides of the ledger. And Colorado in the second half of that game, their offense was going again. So, yeah. Like, this, this one is going to be crazy. And we could either see like a 9-8, 10-9 game, or I think we could see like a 14-13 depending on whether it's the goalies that are stealing the show or the offensive firepower on both teams could go either way. hundred percent. This one I think could too, as we move to Saturday, 4 30 PM West coast, fourth place, Albany at first place, Buffalo, Albany's won three in a row to clinch their playoff spot. Hot Buffalo losing to Toronto last weekend. Cold. This is the one that I could see being an upset. Yeah. I, Albany's I, the biggest underdog of the weekend, according to Cool Bet. Man, a, a hot would, Doug Jameson. If it was anybody, a grind but it out Albany. kind of game. Yeah. I just think that Albany is almost the perfect matchup for Buffalo. Yes. They took him to OT, scared him earlier this season. Could happen. And yeah, Joe Reseteris could take matters into his own hands. Throw those black jerseys on for the playoff game as well. Those were nice. Hey, Albany's been doing it right. Yeah, good. Like, how does how does Buffalo lose this game in your mind? Well, Dane Smith goes over again, and Matt Vince has a stinker, and he's had what one this year, Brad, where he's been sub Matt Vince. Yeah, one and, maybe one and a half, and but we not, know not this. many. He's been at the top of his game. We know this when it matters the most, Matt Vince comes to play. So. Albany better have a game plan to to find a way to get through that Buffalo defense and get some high quality scoring chances because if they're flogging from the outside all night, forget it. Remember the was it the last time they played was the one net game? Yeah, where every goal was scored In at one, one end of the floor. Never happen again. Okay. It no. will never happen again. And that no, was they played just, some wacky ones, but that that yeah. grinded out sort of wear you down Albany style might be the perfect recipe to take down the bandits. And like I said, if they get a good Dougie night and they can just, if it's a low scoring game, I think Albany 
could win this lacrosse game. If yeah. Buffalo opens it up and, you know, they're up 5 nothing early or something and they start pulling away, I think it's going to be tough to come back. But if Albany could keep it close and keep it maybe like an 11-10 game, this this could go the way of the firewall. And, and, and I'll say it's important for Buffalo too. If they get rolling, not only early in the game, but just in the game in general and, and get their swag back, then I think the Bandits are going to roll. If they struggle and just kind of grind one out, then I think next round they could be in trouble. And if Albany beats Buffalo, they're going to have the belief in them that they can beat anybody if they take out the Bandits. So watch out for the Firewolves. Yeah, and you talk about that Buffalo swagger. Like, I think this town, that team is built for a championship this season. Like, no question. The the way that they're have a mix of, of veterans and youth and just the swag that they have and to, to have the record that they had this regular season and not close that, I don't think will sit well. So I know oh, God. John Tavares is going to game plan like crazy. And this is another one that I think is going to be like, like such an impressive and unfortunately one and done yeah. first round. Like this is one I, I want to see these teams play three, five, seven times. Could you imagine? Me too, Brad. Me too. But it's all there for the Buffalo bandits this season. Not a lot of, if any, weaknesses throughout their entire roster. And now, you know, Chugger's done his job. You know JT's going to have them prepared. And now it's up to Buffalo to go out and do the job. Time to execute. After that, we've got 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock West Coast. Fourth place, Philadelphia. We'll break this one down with Ben McIntosh in a few minutes playing... First place, San Diego. And I had to chuckle almost when San Diego put up their their graphic after the win against Vancouver. Like, best in the West, kings of the West. You just lost six of seven. And yes, they did finish first, but it wasn't how they wanted to finish first. And they've got a team coming across the country that's already beat them in their own building earlier this season. This, to me, could be another four over one upset, Jumbo. I think this is more likely of the two. And I got a good mind to take Philadelphia straight up in this game. They're a big-time dog, two-and-a-half goal underdog here. But I think that's a little disrespectful to Philadelphia, especially being an Eastern team. Like you mentioned, they've beat San Diego in San Diego. I know the rhetoric is going to be none of that matters. It's playoff time. Throw the records out the window, all that sort of stuff. But you know Philly's thinking about that. Hey, we've been to San Diego, and we've beat these guys. Let's go do it again is going to be the message here for the Wings. And San Diego, yeah, they get first place. They get the home playoff game. They had to do it against the Vancouver team on the last game of the regular season against a team that not going to the postseason – But I think they'll talk themselves into the fact that, yeah, we are the first play. We are the best team in the West. We are hosting a playoff game here. And that's the belief that they got to have going into this one against the Philadelphia Wings. Yeah, they got to find that swagger that Buffalo has had this season and San Diego has had. Like they are, when they're at their best, they're kind of like a, they're kind of a cocky, cocky, confident. They play on emotion. Right. Like, yeah, you watch. Austin Stotts and like no one celebrates like Austin Stotts and maybe not Dobie this year. I think he's a little bit more subdued as a seal. Oh, you wait for playoff a, time, Brad. You'll yeah, come this, out. this is why they've signed Dane Dobie was for games like this. 
it sounds silly to keep going back to goaltending, but it is so important in the postseason. And who's playing better right now, Higgy or Ziggy? <laughs> yeah, nicely done. I think, it, well, I mean, coming off of Frankie's last game, he had a real sharp game. And the numbers as a whole, I know there was a downstretch there for Shiliano where he was, but if you take the entire season as a whole, he's got real good numbers, right? There was those games where he's four goal, four goal, four goal. Then he had some games where he was letting in 13-14, but when you gather it all in, pretty good season there for Shiliano and, and and Higgy has been the rock there for Philadelphia, and, and I think it's going to be a, a real battle between the pipes between both these guys. I think they're both going to play well. And the last note on this, maybe, Brad, is the Brody Merrill factor. And San Diego is going to do everything from – the rookies to the to the you know the the guys in their prime to the veterans on that team don't kid yourself they know what's on the line here for 37 and everybody's going to run through a brick wall to try and get that guy a championship pat pat merrill says it's not really a thing but it, it has to thing. be a thing in the back it's, it's not something it's not pasted on the walls in the room or anything like no one's saying it out loud don't it's have just to. in the back of their heads to get it done and to know, you know, I'm going to go seals have the better offense. I think mm-hmm. defense seals might have the upper hand there. Mm-hmm. And I think Higgy might be playing better than Shiliano right now. So I'll give Philly that plus their face-offs. Plus if it's a low scoring game, again, like the Albany Buffalo game, which I think it might be, that might favor Philly a little bit more because they haven't been in a lot of barn burners this season where San Diego has. So what a first weekend of playoff matchups it's going to be like, don't ask me who I got. We're not doing who you got this weekend. We're not doing it in the playoffs. We'll explain why a little bit later, but you just can't. I think we got four almost full-time coin flips here. Honestly, anybody, this is what makes what we're here for. This is what this is all about. This is what this is. Anybody was all designed to be can beat anybody. We know this and, and bring on the chaos of the chase for the championship here. If this thing could go any different direction possible. I don't know how many different combinations there are for these four games to have different winners and losers and all that, but we could literally see any combination of all four of these games, teams winning or losing. Believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it on, man. I can't, I can't wait for, I cannot wait for Friday night. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely clear amazing. your schedule. Just park it, grab your crazy little beers that you uh, like to drink there, your pineapples and your coconuts and whatever else you got going on over there and settle in for an action packed weekend of playoff lacrosse. Buckle up. Brad monster opening quarter there. We got lots more to come here on EP 182. We're off to Toronto to talk to the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock Next. Jamie Dowick rejoins the podcast next. Hey, this is Jimmy Quinlan, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, and you're listening to the Lax Class. Welcome back to the Lax Classes. We're into second quarter action here on EP1. 82, Jay Kelly, Brad Schellner, and Rycor Construction with us as well as uh, they have been since the turn of the calendar. They make it stand out at Rycor Construction over 15 years of experience 
Home renovations, residential, exterior, interior, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks. They do it all, and they make it stand out. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook. See their work. Or go to the website, www.rycorconstruction.ca. As this upcoming interview brought to you by our friends at Rycor, as we welcome back the owner, president, general manager of the Toronto Rock, Jamie Dow, former co-host on Lax Class as well. Jamie Dowick back on the pod. What's up, JD? How much, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, we're doing good, man. Uh, maybe not as good as you. Thanks for coming on, by the way. Uh, big time victory over the Buffalo Bandits uh, this past weekend. If you didn't listen to the show, I picked you guys, and you came through for me. And holy cow, that was impressive. Not only did you win the game, but you held Dane Smith off the score sheet, which just blew my mind when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird game. Um you know, anytime you win in Buffalo, it's a big win, especially for us with them being our, our rival. It's it's a tough place to win and, and you know, very gratifying when you do do that. Um, we didn't we didn't play great. <laughs> it was a weird game. We we're down five one at the half and you know, Rosie really kept us in it early and, and, and then you know, in the fourth quarter we kind of found a we, we kinda of hung around and stayed within striking distance and then kinda of got hot. So um, you know, a weird game, but really kind of the summary of our season with as far as Rosie, you Should know, he be leading the goalie the year, from Jamie. Should Rosie be the goaltender? 100% he should be the goalie of the year. And, and I don't, you know, with all respect to, to Vino, you know, arguably the greatest goalie to ever play, you know, and I said this to Rosie last night, like to me, you, you've won this this year. And, you know, I don't know how the voting goes or whatever. And, and this and that, but that's the first time I've been able to say that to him. He's been in the conversation before, rightfully so. Some years he's been top three, but but it's never felt like to me where you could say, "Hey, no, he he should win this," and and I believe he shouldn't. You know, time will tell. I mean, the reality is now's the time when he gets to start doing his talking over the next hopefully five to seven weeks, whatever you know is potentially out there. What's been different for him this year, you think? You know what? I think, uh, you know, he got off to a slow start, um, like the whole team did. And, you know, I think that's part, as a goalie, that's probably, you know, not playing for that 18 months or whatever. Um, you know, it probably affects them a little more than a player, I think. And, you know, um, after we, you know, when we lost, when we, we were two and three, we made a bunch of changes there on the bye week and, and the with things we were doing, video we were watching, B, B, B Miller back with us again, you know, working wonders with him, doing different things, getting them more prepared. Um, we really cranked up the video and stuff and, and the focus. And he just kind of got into a groove. And, and, you know, I was just looking at it with someone today. I think in 14 of our 18 games, we held the opponent to 10 goals or less. Yeah. That's, so, that's well, I mean, the other thing I'll say to that, Jamie, is, you know, a, a good goaltender will take you a long way, but having a really good defense in front of them well, helps as yeah. well. And absolutely. Listen, Brad Cree and Mitch Desnew have had just unbelievable years back there on, on the back end. So talk about those two guys and not only those two, but maybe the job that the old honey badger Brucey Codd has done on that Toronto Rock bench. 
Yeah, well, you're bang on with all of that. I mean, it goes it goes a lot deeper. No, it starts with Bruce. Bruce is uh, Bruce knows what he's doing back there, and he he's got a system he likes to play. And you know, you we get certain players in here, and hopefully they they fit the system. And you know, I think I think our defense, you know, starts with Mitch Disnew this year. I mean, he's been unbelievable for us. Um, you know, defense transition everything he's 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 been our leader on the back end and you know Latrell Harris Brad Cree Chalm when he's back there you know we've we've just we've had uh you know those guys are great leaders for us to log a lot of minutes back there and and lead the way so you're bang on though I mean it is a combination Rosie's been awesome but you know I think it, it helps when your defense you know, we like to we like to be aggressive with teams and, and you know, dictate where shots are coming from. And, and when we're doing that, it makes Rosie's job easier. But, you know, he's been there when we broke down because there are breakdowns. And, and uh, you know, he, he seems to go long stretches in games where he doesn't give up a goal. And um, it's been fun to watch. Uh, you know, he's been a great goalie for a long time, but, you know, he's having a pretty special year. Latrell Harris is so young still, and you got a lot out of him this season. It's been impressive to watch his progression. When you guys drafted him as an 18-year-old, what do you think the ceiling was going to be on this kid? Is he where you thought he'd be at? Is he exceeding? Where is he at right now? Well, eh, yeah, I mean, you don't know what to expect when you draft an 18-year-old. We knew he was a he was a heck of an athlete and all that stuff. He had an unbelievable rookie year with us um, defensively. Uh, didn't have quite the finish in the transition. The opportunities were always there right out of the get-go. Spent a couple years injured, really, for us. And this has really been his first year back with us where he's been healthy. You know, now I think he's 20, 23, 24. Um, he's a man. He's a freak. He does it all. Like, he's had – he's just thrown people around this year. And then, you know, the, the best – you know – throw people around pick up the ball go the other way and put it in the net he's just he's been unbelievable and uh you know i'm not i'm not surprised i i know he's got that i tell him this all the time i mean to me he can be the most dominant defender in this league if he wants to be i mean he really can be he's that he's just a freak yeah and uh he's a great kid though great teammate we love him and uh you know, he's he's as big a part of anyone on, on that defense, um, you know, as far as what we're doing back there. Speaking with Jamie Dowick here at the Toronto Rock, and another guy I kind of want to touch on as we're going through your roster here a little bit. Well, a couple of guys, actually, is is one in, in Noble who only played six games this year, and I don't know if you can give us an update on what his status is. I'm not exactly sure what's been when what's been ailing him. So maybe an update on Noble and then the, the impact that TD Erlin has, Erlin, thank you, has uh, had on your roster. You have predominantly not gone with a, a Fogo, so to speak, but TD has come in and and he shows he belongs in this league as well. Yeah, well, Jason's on our IR right now. He's been hurt. He's been dealing with a bunch of things this year and, and you know, it just hasn't worked out really Um you know, the way either, either side really kind of envisioned it. So, you know, he's got nagging injury. I, I don't, 
you know, who knows how long we're playing for here, hopefully a long time. And there, and there might be an opportunity to be coming back at some point, but you know, that, like I said, hasn't kind of worked out for either team, which is either side, which is unfortunate. And, uh, you know, TD's been great, man. He's, uh, you know, he's just an awesome kid, man. And he's done a heck of a job for us and came in in a tough situation. He, he missed training camp cause he was injured. So for, for a guy that's never played the game before, and us not wanting to have a Fogo, you know, wanting to be able to use him defensively, you know, it made it really tough for him this year. But he's fit in awesome. The team loves him. He, he's a huge part of our team. And, you know, some games he's been dominant. But even in the games, like we talk about it, even in the games where, you know, he isn't dominant, you know, he, he he's, he's just does so many more little things. We're not losing anything clean and we're not giving up those fast break opportunities. And he's just been, he's, he's been an absolute pleasure to have on our team. And, uh, you know, he's done a lot of stuff uh, for us this year and we're, and we're happy he's a part of it. Jamie, if you look around the league, some of the teams that started off really hot, Buffalo, San Diego, Halifax, they haven't had great, second halves you guys have been the best second half team in the national lacrosse league eight and two in your last 10 longest streak heading into the postseason right now the five game heater the only team on a five game heater right now um you guys seem like you're clicking at at the right time where some other teams have have flipped that and reversed it this season what do you think's been different for toronto to keep that focus and keep that foot on the gas pedal in in march and april well, I think, you know, we, 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 we didn't start well this year. So we kind of put ourselves in a position at two and three where you look ahead at your schedule and you really, you know, it was a really turning point moment for this team. And, and, you know, we kind of had to, we had to, if we wanted to, you know, get in the playoffs, we all know how tough the East is. We, we had to turn it up and, you know, we had, two Buffaloes on our schedule. We had Halifax on our schedule, a couple, you know, Georgias and Albany's. And so we really, you know, we, we just, it was like a month into the season or maybe even six weeks where it was kind of almost like a reset and, and we were playing important games that we needed to win. So we've just kind of been, you know, we just focus on us. We've been, uh, we've been just on a nice little build. We feel like all season, like we still feel like our best is ahead of us. And we've just kind of been going, you know, uh, slowly progressing along the way. And we do feel like we're kind of peaking at the right time, but, you know, like I said, you know, earlier, maybe off the air, you know, we get, now we're playing for real here and this weekend's a one game, uh, a one game elimination. And we all know that, especially in this league, that means anything can happen. So, uh, you know, all those, it doesn't matter if you've lost six in a row, if you've won six in a row, you know, if you got your seat at the table, um, you know, it's time to, to, you put know, up or put shut your up. money where your mouth, you yeah. put up or shut up, man, put, put your money where your mouth is and, and show what you got. And, uh, you know, we feel like we're as, as prepared as we can be and, and, and we're, ready to play our best game and, and and that's what our mindset is right now well let's talk about that game jamie because halifax uh like brad mentioned off to a real hot hot start including a, a couple of victories over you earlier in the year but the last time you guys played just a couple of weeks ago it was a real convincing win for you guys so i'm imagining 
you know, everybody learned something and took something away from those first two losses and put it to work in that third matchup. And that's got to be a good feeling for you guys heading into this fourth matchup that really matters to you, that you're coming off a big win against that team, and, and now you're going to face them at home in the playoffs. Yeah, that's good and all, but, you know, it's good storylines and this and that. And, and yeah, we played well against them last time, but, you know, that and Petunia will get you a cup of coffee and, and we're playing them this week and, and we need to show up and play our best. And, you know, I anticipate, you know, if history tells anything, it's going to be a close game and it's going to go down to the wire and, and, you know, we need to be prepared for that. And, you know, the last game was great because it put us in the position to have this game at home. Yeah. Uh, what? Um, How's it looking, Jamie? I mean, upper bowl opening up there at First Ontario. What are we looking for at, in the hammer? How I don't know if we, I don't know if we'll get into the upper bowl this game. It, it 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 is tough these playoff games, and even though we had a couple weeks where we knew we were going to be at home, we didn't know the opponent, and, and it is you know uh, a tough sell always for some reason in the first round of the playoffs. We'll have a good crowd. Um, I, you know, I think the lower bowls should end up being pretty full and, and, and that'll be good. It'll be a great environment and we're thrilled to be playing our first home game in Hamilton. How's it uh, been since Jamie, move, this, so. this season? I know it was tough early in the year, no fans and all that sort of stuff, but give me your assessment of your first year there in Hamilton. It's been awesome. It really has. Um, we love it there. We feel like it's home. Um, just in so many different ways. And and we didn't really get a chance to be out and about as much as we wanted to be in the community this year with all the COVID restrictions kind of throughout the beginning of the season and all those things. But Hamilton's been great. We love the state. We love the arena. We love playing there. We feel like it's got a great atmosphere and, and uh, you know, the fans have been awesome for us this year and been, been a big part of our home success there. And, and we couldn't be happier with the move. Are you finding you're creating a, a bit of a, a hometown fan base? I know when I was there and back in December, I met a lot of fans that were coming um, from the Toronto area and from the suburbs around there, but is, is sort of the Hamilton area starting to embrace the team a little bit more? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we've had, we did, we did something with Simone e. Lawrence of the Tiger Cats for one game. And, you know, we had those, the, the Hamilton, the, the jerseys that were kind of the Hamilton uh, our third jersey spin off on that. So they look good listen, too, by the way, man. When, I, that you know. Thank you, thank you. When, when, when we uh, when we did uh, when we moved there, you know, a lot of the new season's ticket holders were from the Hamilton area, and uh, just opened up a whole new opportunity of people. Um, you know, for you guys being a couple West Coast guys, like you know, there's so much part great lacrosse communities kind of towards the Buffalo way, the St. Catharines, the Hamiltons, the Six Nations, all where it was just almost impossible to get downtown Friday night to a, to a rock game. And I, mean, I feel like, you know, it's brought in a lot more people in play while those people, you know, east of the city can still, can still make it out to, to our games as well. So um, it's been great, man. We're, we're real excited. We're looking forward to being at home in front of them on Friday night and uh, they've, they've been supportive. Are you happy with a one-and-done first round, or do you wish that you were playing more games in the first round? You wish it was a best out of three can all I, the way through? Can I tell you that at 11 o'clock on Friday night? <laughs> uh, listen, no. I, you know, listen, it's uh, 
I was a guy that uh, with the one and done, I, I, I wanted to make our series longer. You know, I think I was influenced by one year. We were the number one seed. Uh, we actually got Jumbo's Minnesota Swarm in a, in a crossover oh, game. I remember that. Of like so a wild well. card game. Great game. And we got, yeah. and they were hot and, and we got spanked <laughs> by them. And, you know, as, as a number one seed, when you, you know, it's a single game and you lose, you kind of feel like, you know, if you had a two out of three, you'd, you'd come out on the right end of it. Um, you know, I thought the two game mini series was gimmicky. I'd like everything to be one or the other. Um, I'd like the series, but it's going to go on a long time. It's potentially could go on for seven weeks to get to the final in this format we have now. So, you know, if I was voting, I probably would go back to the one and done. I mean, it's exciting. Um, it's a lot of pressure. It's exciting. Uh, you can't beat it really. And, uh, you know, we'll get a taste of that here. Ready, right off the hop for everyone. You know, everyone's got expectations to go on and hoist that cup. And, you know, everyone could be six days away from cleaning out their lockers and, and thinking about what could have been. So, you know, the focus of it for us is just worry about us, worry about what we do, control the things we can control. And let's show up on Friday night and show show everyone across TSN what the Toronto Rock are all about. Yeah. National television TSN this weekend. Jamie, um Vegas Desert Dog is coming into the league next season, and someone you know well, Sean Williams, will be helming up that team. He'll be phoning your free agents, and uh, you know you'll be protecting players that he's not going to want to take or try not to take in the expansion draft and everything coming up this summer. Um, just talking about your relationship with Willie and how happy you are to see him behind uh, behind the bench and and running the Desert Dogs. Yeah, I love Willie. Great. Great, great guy. Another um, rookie to fleece, know, pretty... too, Jamie. Hey, you got a rookie now. You can just take the school. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and take advantage of him <laughs> if we can. But, you know, very well deserving. Willie's a, Willie's a great guy. I've got to know him over the years with our boys kind of playing together and, and certain things. And and it's a great opportunity for him, and he'll do a great job. And him and Tam have moved out there, I believe, now. And, and uh, it, it's going to be great. I'm super excited for Vegas. Hopefully uh, – they can show up on our road schedule next year. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Everybody's signing up for that road trip, Jamie. Yeah, that's, you know, there's teams who say, oh, I don't want to go there, but you're not going to hear that with uh, Vegas. But, uh, no, I am, it's exciting. I'm sure he's – I've talked to him a little bit. Um, I know he's excited about this opportunity for himself and his family and, and the Desert Dog franchise. So, chance for him to, to make his mark, and, and I think a good choice by them and hiring Sean. You are an owner of the Toronto rock. So I don't want to let you go before we sort of get a, you know, bring off the dive 2d, but give us a broad strokes of it's been an up and down season in the national lacrosse league. There's been teams playing without fans like you guys did. I'm glad you did because I think it was more important for the fans to get a game on T on national television, I think helped, but just to keep the momentum of the league going playing the games without fans in the seats. And I, and there's been a lot of rescheduled games and, you know, travel has been crazy this year, but where's the league at now that the regular season's over? Are we in a good place? Is, was revenue in an okay place this season? Um, just how, how are we feeling about the league heading into the, the playoffs? Well, I think it was a tough year. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know all the stuff that goes on kind of behind the scenes, but um, 
well, peel back the curtain I, for us here, Jamie. Peel it back. Well, I mean, listen, there's just there was so much more involved to it. I mean, at the beginning of the year with COVID kind of running out of control and we were testing twice a week and it cost a ton of money. And, you know, anytime you're moving around, we were testing and, and just people getting COVID and then not being able to be around the team and calling up guys. It was just, and everything was expensive. Um, all your expenses are up and all your revenues really were down. And, 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 and that doesn't go to mention playing three games in front of no fans. So it, it's, it's been a tough year for everyone um, at, in the attendance factor. If you've looked around the league, I noticed lately, I mean, there were some great crowds on the weekend. Uh, cool. I believe Calgary had maybe a sellout, 17,000 yeah, or something yeah, like that. 15,500 was yeah, the was right in, in, the, in, in the building, yeah. Yeah, and Buffalo had fourteen thousand in there. It was Bandalam was rocking. Like right, it Vancouver is. had the whole bottom bowl full too, Jamie. Like overnight. See, that's out. great. Vancouver yeah. was great this year when we were out there. We really, we were. I was real impressed with the crowd when we were there, and they're building something good there. Um, you know, but but it, it's taken you know the whole season to get there, so it, it's been a struggle for the teams. Um, just to pull it off and the extra work involved in it. And then financially this year, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but you know, here we are, we've got all the games in, um, you know, it seems to be, everything's kind of under control. I, I don't foresee any delays here. We got eight teams ready to go and fight for this cup and, and uh, chase for know. the championship, man. I think it's all going to pay off in, in the long run as well. Speaking of the long run, Brad, just, kind of brought this to my attention can you give us an update on a commissioner search has there been any progress there he brought it to my attention too i knew it was coming <laughs> um yeah listen we're we're in the process uh, we're working with a with a search firm um you know i'm actually involved in on that committee that's that's dealing with the firm and, and we had a chat today and you know we're moving along quite nicely here and we're going to get to the point where i i think you know, we're, we're not that. We're it down a little two. bit. Yeah. Get some serious. Yeah. Candidates. I mean, uh, we're, we're going to start interviewing some people soon. And, and I, I don't think it's, you know, this isn't going to be a long, long process. And, and I think, uh, you know, we got a lot of good candidates is what I'm hearing. And, and I'm excited to, to, you know, dive more into it and find out who they might be and what they're all about. And, and uh, I'm really excited about where we're going to come out in the end of that. Me too, man. Uh, I have no doubt you guys are going to find the right candidate. Uh, hey, listen, good luck in, in the playoffs, uh, Jamie. And uh, best of luck with that bomb Russell Wilson down there in Denver too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Russell Wilson. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. You, uh, I appreciate it. Always love chatting with you, man. Anytime, I'm, I'm happy to do it. and. Uh, you know, hopefully my team's playing in a, in a month and maybe we'll regroup then. Count on it. Thanks, Thanks brother. Awesome. Take care, guys. There you go. Owner, president, GM of the Toronto Rock. And uh, a lot of things happening with that team before the season even got started, Brad. And then it took a little while for the engine to, to warm up. But like you mentioned, eight and two down the stretch here for the Rock. And Jamie's got that ship pointing in the right direction. Maddie Sawyer has got to be in the coach of the year conversation. And Toronto could be going all the way this year. Yeah, and I was just about to say, we're not allowed to talk too much about NLL league year-end voting. Yeah. 
I will say though, the rock have a strong candidate in almost every Agreed. single yep. category. Think about it. I think Schreiber is going to get MVP votes. Nick Rose is going to get goalie of the year votes. Sawyer for head coach, Dalwick for GM, Desnew and Cree for defensive player of the year. Challen Rogers for transition player of the year. Um, breakout player. That is every single, that is maybe, every yeah. single category that, that you can vote on the rock. I think are going to have a really solid Canada. They've just been unreal top to bottom this year. So many players have, have jumped out and had career years in yeah. that lineup. And, you know, we talked to Jimmy about it in February. I just, or back in December, like new home, new chance to sort of reinvigorate the fan base national television this all happened the first time the rock took off when the ontario yeah. raiders went to hamilton tsn came on board they started winning championships and and it sort of sparked the imagination of the country nll goes as far in canada goes as the toronto rock goes still to this day when the rock is successful lacrosse is successful in canada so i'm happy to see for the league's growth and for canadian lacrosse's growth of the rock are doing good and last thing I wanted to throw out there was just the, the final attendance report. Mm. Got the report card here for the uh, end of the season. Buffalo Bandits finished number one, um, averaging just shy of 10,000 per game. Calgary single-handedly last week jumped to number two. I think they were three or four before they put almost 16,000 in last weekend. They finished second in average attendance at 9,200. Sask at 89, Colorado 82, Georgia somehow averaged 8,000 a night. Um, Toronto just there with about 8,000 when they had capacity and Vancouver 69. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver, I, I think beat, the, Vancouver beat Philly. Yeah. I mean, the numbers it, were down across the board for a multitude of reasons, like Jamie just said. And I think they're only going to go up from here, but a lot of markets on, on stable ground. Some need a little bit of work, no question about it. But I think the NLL is in a good spot in, in heading in the right direction. A lot of great stories there in Toronto this year. I mean, Dawson breaking records, the emergence of Dan Craig, a lot of, lot of good things. Latrell Harris taking a big step forward. So a lot of good things happening in Toronto, though, taking on Halifax this coming weekend. Another guy that's going to be in action this weekend is Ben McIntosh of the Philadelphia Wings, who are heading to SoCal to take on the San Diego Seals. We're going to talk to Big Bucket, Benny Mack, quarter three, Lax Class 182, back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is NLL Hall of Famer Colin Doyle, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into second half action on EP 182. Associated Labels and Packaging is always in action. They're down there in Coquitlam. They're quality. They're, they're quality. They're family owned. They have quality. They focus. <laughs> they're on, quality people. Yeah, they are. They are that as well. Uh, they focus on ethics. And they're the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. You know this by now. I need a label, need a package. Look up my man, Sean Ashworth, and the gang at Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com. 
always on the cutting edge of new technology down there at ALP. Uh, this guy's from Coquitlam as well. He's back on the podcast. We're happy to have him. Number 90 of the Philadelphia Wings, Ben McIntosh. Benny, welcome back to Lax Class. How are things? Things are good. Yeah. Th- thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure, man. I bet things are good. That was uh, a pretty massive win by your wings on the weekend. Getting it done in overtime again. Win and you're in. You guys are into the postseason. Another overtime victory for you guys. Do you guys know that you're 5-0 and in OT? That's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't happen without a, a good amount of luck. So we're, we're really thankful. And, and, you know, Blaze was there to score the biggest goal of the year for us. So that, that was big. It also doesn't happen. I don't think without, uh, without Trevor Baptiste, I know this one was a little different cause it was shorthanded and it was Blazer coming out of the corner there. But I think the other, at least two or three of the other OT wins was like face off win, call a timeout drop a play, score a goal. I think it's been huge for you guys. Um, just talk about that piece and what an advantage it is to have Trevor Baptiste doing what he's doing. Yeah, no question. I mean, specifically in overtime, like he, he's, he's just so good on that first clamp, right. And, and getting that first possession in overtime gives us a chance for that, uh, that old football move or you don't give the ball to the other team. And we've been lucky enough where, you know, we've been able to do that twice this year, I think. And, uh, um, you know, having that X factor uh, at the face-off is is unbelievable. It's it's been great. Well, you had three and one in that game and have settled into that Philly offense, which we'll talk about here momentarily. But Coach Day always calls the timeout in overtime. Sometimes we see teams go on the fly, but Coach Day always calls the timeout before overtime. And I'm I'm just a little curious on what. What happens? Like, you guys know what you're going to run every time in overtime to, to try and get the winning goal, or is it something different every time? What's the message there on that timeout? Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, we we don't have a, a – like, when the timeout's called, that's when we start thinking about our play, right? Like, we don't have – like, here, if we get to timeout, we're going to run this play. Quite honestly, like, the, the two goals we scored, they were a little bit of broken plays. They weren't even, you know – I mean, most plays, there, there's more than one look, but um, certainly the one in San Diego, it was just, you know, our look wasn't there and nothing we wanted, and we were just playing after that. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those things where where Coach, he's just – he understands it, it's worked in the past, and, you know, we've now been lucky enough to do it twice, so I'm sure we'll keep doing it if we have to get to that opportunity again. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things working for us, so I think we'll, we'll keep doing it. And, and a what, lot of people wonder, sorry, Jumbo, a lot of people wonder and they say, well, you just had two minutes to talk about that. Why is the timeout being called? But like, so what's going on in that two minutes between the end of the fourth quarter and the start of OT for you guys? Well, a lot of it too is right. Like by the end, by the time you're done the fourth quarter, you've played a full game, right? So everyone's catching their breath. Emotions are always really high. You know, when, when you're going into an overtime, um, you know, you, you, likely either just scored a, a goal at the end of the game or been scored on at the end of the game. So it's a lot of, you know, calming your team down, talking as a whole group, not necessarily talking as an offense and then talking as a defense. Um, so calling that timeout gives us an opportunity to talk as an offense. I want to just stay on coach day here for a second, because you, I mean, you went to Drexel, so you're familiar with, with kind of the area and you've really made your life there. Uh, congrats on the the nuptials, by the way, I know you got married, uh, not that recently, but pretty recently ago, still a newlywed. 
So congrats <laughs> on that. But, um, you. you know, you've really made a life there in Philadelphia. But getting back to the point, you've been coached by Derek Keenan for, for a long, long time now. And now you're with a new guy and a Hall of Famer in his own right in Paul Day. What What's it been like kind of switching franchises and having a new voice behind the bench? Uh, it's great. I mean, you can tell. I mean, it's it, it, once you're in the locker room with PD for, for, you know, a couple days or, you know, a couple weekends, you start to understand why he's been so successful at every level he's coached. He's just, he's such a great leader. He's such a great person. Um, you know, really vocal with the players, likes to talk to people, likes to get feedback from the players. There's absolutely zero ego on him. Um, he just wants to win and he wants to lead and he's so good at it. Um, I feel incredibly honored to like play for, coach Pete coach Paul day right now having played for for coach Keenan like I, I feel like they're two of the best out there and it's it's uh I, I've been really lucky to play for them for and, sure and one thing we always talk about with Paul day is that he's just like he exudes confidence so you kind of like when he starts talking to you you're you're buying what he's selling but he's also very calm for the most part and and I think that probably rubs off through the whole bench as well no question and and you know, we've had a, a, a couple times this year. Um, I saw him lose it there one time. Yeah. Blazer. Where, uh, blazer. Yeah. Where, he, where he's not so calm. And, and you know, that's not a, a every weekend occurrence. You know, that's more once, twice this year that I've seen it. And uh, it certainly resonates with you because it's not like, you know, he's not sitting there screaming and yelling at, you know, every turn. So, you know, when he's doing it, something's going on or he's serious here. So, um, no, he's just a guy. He commands the room and. He's just a guy that 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 is such a good leader that um, he he's calm when he needs to be calm. He's fired up when he needs to be fired up. Fired up. But at the end of the day, you always know he's got your back, and if you ever needed anything, you know he's there for you. Picking up off what Blaze Reardon said in the post game interview last week, Benny, he was saying that the more battle tested team won that game, and five overtimes, some close games, a roller coaster season. Is that kind of mentality in the room right now? Is that you guys really feel that it's been a, a, a wild year and that you are battle-tested indeed? Yeah, I mean, no question. There, uh, Like you said, five of our uh, nine wins there were in overtime. Um, there's a lot to be said about that. Like, we didn't have many wins where we were cruising in, you know, the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, and, and there certainly is a lot to be said about that. We, we played in close games. We've won them. We've lost them. Um would I have liked to have won a couple more by some more goals that would have, you know, probably been better for everyone's heart. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, like that, that stuff's good for a team, especially a team going into playoffs. And you guys had, like you got out to a pretty decent start and then there was some struggles there for a while. And it, it, listen, it's, it's hard to stretch 18 games together and play your best lacrosse. But I would say, in the, the latter half of the third of the season here, you guys are playing your best ball. Maybe chuck that Albany game out the window, but you guys got to be feeling pretty confident, especially going into San Diego where you've beat a team there before heading into the playoffs. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, for us, it was, you know, it was just, we got to make playoffs and that was our focus, right? Like we, we just wanted to make playoffs. Now that's sort of like a box checked. Did we just squeak in? Yeah. And, and, you know, we're really happy about that at the same time. Like, you know, we made it. That that doesn't matter what position we're in at this point. Everyone's on an even playing field now. Um, everyone's got to play. There's no buys in the first round. Um, so it's almost like a new season here, right? Um, 
but no, for, for sure. I mean, the, the confidence is high. We're, we're, we're feeling good. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're going to underestimate any teams because, you know, every team in this league can win on any night and, and uh, every team has a ton of talent. Six years with the rush, a, a lifetime with Robert Church and, and Marty Dinsdale. Mm-hmm. Different group for you this year, Benny, a little change of, change of scenery. What was it like developing chemistry with this Wings offense? And did you feel like it took a couple of games for you guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly like, a, it's different, right? Like I played with those guys, not only in my pro career, but in my junior career and in my minor career. Um, we almost spoke like a, a, a specific language when we're out there talking. So, you know, even just little things like learning, learning, you know, the terminology that these guys use and, and just trying to do whatever I can to help them. You know, I know what to do with, with Marty and church and, and Mark and those guys. Um, but no, for sure. It, there's, there's always going to be a, a, a learning curve. Um, I feel like we're coming into our own and communications getting there. We're, 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 um, we're starting to, to really build some good chemistry. It's been fun. Here with Ben McIntosh of the Philadelphia Wings. And I know you knew a lot of those guys going into that team, Ben, but probably a few guys that you didn't know about. Um, is there a guy or two on that team that has really impressed you that you maybe have never talked to or played against or with before? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to be perfectly honest with you, I think our best player all year has been Zach Higgins. I think yeah. he's an incredibly underrated goalie in this league. And he, he has hands down been the anchor of our team. Um, and, you know, he just goes about his business. He's not Very you know, getting all the accolades. Yeah. yeah. He, but you, you watched that last game we played, he made, you know, probably 10 or 15 saves that he shouldn't have, or, you know, that he likely, you know, a lot of goalies may not have. And right. Exactly. That's a whole different game. Even if he doesn't make three or four of those, right. Like, um, so he's, he's really, really impressed me. Um, I always bug him because he stole him. I always tell him he stole a mental. I was going to say you guys matched up in the mental way back when, like what yeah. was it? 2012, well, they won. Like they won a game. Uh, so we won the first, the first game and then they won the second game five, four. So uh, you can imagine how good he played in that game if we only scored four on him. <laughs> With that team, um, too. Yeah, good Lord. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I think he's just, you know, his entire career, he's bounced around on a lot of teams. And um, it's just so surprising to, like, think back to, you know, him being a backup or anything like that. Because, honestly, he is, you know, our anchor on our team. Yeah, interesting that you um, select a goalie. That's, uh, yeah. That's telling. Uh, that's telling, Ben. Yeah. Uh, Wags too. I think Ryan Wagner, he's, uh, he's been unbelievable for us. Um, you just see the motor on the guy. He, he doesn't stop. And every single time he's on the floor, he's hustling. And it, it's been really fun to, to play with him and get to know him. How long does that guy take to get out of the locker room at the end of the game though, Ben, because he is a good looking human being and he takes care, you know, he's, he's got the <laughs> tight rolls and the, the hair and the, like he's, he's, he looks like high maintenance when it comes to, to, to kind of getting gussied up. <laughs> no, he comes by it. Honestly, okay. he's got good hair. He's, he's, <laughs> You know, he's, he likes to wear his turtlenecks and his, his blazers. He's high fashion, so he, man. Like I didn't see him on uh, I didn't see him on Paul Tutka's best dress list know, he's, last, he's last weekend. Edge, like he's cutting Like he's he could have been on there. Uh, there's yeah. no question about that. Was there any wings on that list? Do you see that and 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 trip the boys? 
to be honest, I have I haven't seen it. Um, I can I can tell you right now that Kevin Crowley was not on it because I, I <laughs> this every weekend. He's always trying to sneak in like the Lululemon pants yeah. instead of the suit pants uh, and stuff like that. Well, veteran status, he can kind of get. Yeah. yeah, I think right, KJ. Yeah. I think KJ made the list. Um, what's he brought to that offense since he joined the team? Yeah, he's. Uh, you can tell too. Like he he's just a, a strong presence on on the floor. He he's always moving he's a guy like we call him 100 100 guys right like he's a guy you got to know where he is 100 percent of the time you know with and without the ball um he gets us a lot of resets um he, he's been a, he's been a really solid player for us san diego this weekend man I, I know you've scored a lot of goals on on frankie over the years and in, in summer ball and what have you but uh san diego finishing number one in in the west here and they got some some good ball players on that back end what do you guys got to do to beat the seals um yeah i mean we just gotta we gotta play our game um we seem to have this year we get into games where and, and i'm sure it happens to all teams but we seem to have long stretches where we're not scoring, you know, whether it's a quarter or even, you know, we've had halves where we don't score this year. We got to try to limit those, right. We got to, we got to make sure, you know, we'll continue to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, we're not letting them get us in transition, but it's going to be a battle. They're, they're a really, really good team. Trevor Baptiste and Cal Jackson, by the way, making Paul Tutka's okay. top okay. 30 best Trevor, dress yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good one there. Yeah, he's number 13. KJ is number nine. Um, that must be a huge confidence boost, though, to know that you've already been into San Diego and won. And I've had a – it's not really a theory. It's a its a fact that the East has dominated the West this year um, in, in head-to-head matchups. Do you think there's anything to that? Is it the dominant face-off guys? Is it a different style of play? Is it – I don't know. I don't know what it is. You tell me what it is. you think it's something, Benny, or is it just a random stat that – that is just an anomaly. I don't know. I mean, I think certainly now that we're in the playoffs, none of that stuff really matters anymore. Right. Like again, it's a new season. It doesn't matter that we beat San Diego, you know, three, four weeks ago. Um, but just, I, I think that, you know, it, it's sort of, it rotates. Like I think there's a lot of years where the West gets the better of the East this year, the East was getting the better of the West. Um, I think next year we'll, we'll maybe see that balance out or, or even, you know, the West start to take over. I, I don't think there's anything about the style of play. Or anything yeah, it's like not that. like the MSL and WLA where there's pretty two distinct different styles. It's still the NLL. No, but like totally. the only difference I can think of is is at the face-off circle. And you look at up Dominant and down the rosters the of the East, the East it's yeah. Chris Gill calls it murderer's row of, of face-off guys <laughs> in the East. And in the West, it's a bunch of 50-50 scrappers. And I'd have to go back and see if how dominant the faceoffs were in all those East wins, but I think it'll be a factor this weekend for sure. Yeah. I mean, we like, I think just having Trevor, right. That's something we focus on and we talk about a lot. Um, you saw last game, like Wags was able to get a goal right off the faceoff and those, that's a huge momentum boost for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's no question that having Trevor and, and being able to, to, you know, win 60, 70% of the faceoffs, that gives you an extra, you know, five, 10 possessions a game. Um, maybe that turns into a goal or two, you know? Yeah. A couple more minutes here with Ben McIntosh of the Philadelphia Wings. And uh, I saw it come across my, we'll talk a little summer ball here, Benny. I don't, I'm assuming you're, you're heading back to the PLL, but I don't know if you've ever played box across with your brother. You've both been traded to Coquitlam. <laughs> that's got to be a little enticing to come home and, and play with big brother. Uh, what, what's the plan here for, for the summer months? 
Yeah. So this, uh, this summer I'm likely I'm, so I'm on a holdout list from the PLL. Um, so I'm not going to be doing that. Okay. Um, I likely won't be doing the, the WL either though. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got some stuff I'm going to talk to them and, and just, you know, make sure I haven't made a final decision, but likely won't be playing this summer either. So, um, Garrett and I actually, we were on Maple Ridge together too. So oh, there we you played go. some yeah, WLA I, together. There you go. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, what, uh, no, what, what's the reasoning it's, behind it? Do you just got a lot going on or you need to rest up the body or what, what's happening? No, it's just to be perfectly honest with you, just to take some time. And my wife and I, we want to go traveling and, and, you know, I want to come to Vancouver and, and spend some time with my family. Yeah. Um, I was during COVID. You know, I was away from them for a long time and I don't, I want to come to Vancouver and, and focus on spending time with them and being with them, not traveling back and forth. You going to make them grandparents games. pretty soon. That's what's, what's happening there. <laughs> not, no, that's, okay. uh, that's not, there's nothing going on there yet. <laughs> it's coming. It's not really your choice. Just so you know, Ben. <laughs> Benny, what's the, um, what's the, what's the fan experience been like in, in Philadelphia? I know you're coming from Saskatchewan. That was a rabid fan base, but the wings have a rich, rich history in that market. What's that fan base been like? They're great. Honestly, like they're, uh, Philly's just such a fun sports town, right? Like they, they're so passionate and they, they love it and yeah, they can be hard and they can be, you know, gritty, but they're, they're great. Right. Like at the end of the day, what do you want out of a sports town for them to care yeah, and be invested and, and love it? And that's what Philly fans are. So, uh, no, totally. It's, it's been unbelievable. I love it. What do you make of the year that your, your old buddies had there in Rushland? It was kind of up and down and obviously the, the heater here, but you know, what, what do you, have you talking to those guys? I'm sure. Um, just, what do you make of that season? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I talked to them. So there's a lot of them are some of my best friends. So, um, no, they're, I, I, I feel for them, right? Like the, that team, when we were all together, we didn't necessarily face a ton of regular season adversity. You know, we had a slump here or there, but you know, we were never in a position where we were scratching and clawing for a playoff spot. Um, so it was a different position for them to be in. Um, I know there was, you know, I, I, I think it was just one of those years. I mean, to win three championships, you got to have a lot of things go your way, whether it's not getting injuries or, you know, a couple bounces or winning overtime games or whatever it is, right? Um, it sort of seemed like all our six years of, of doing really well, they got all the bad luck in one year. So I think it's an anomaly. I think you'll see those guys bounce back, and, and I'm always rooting for them. No question. Bradley, you good? All good, man. Appreciate uh, your time. Thanks for doing this, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, get back yeah. to the, the dog and the wife there. Best of luck with Philly, and uh, can't wait to, to watch you guys play this weekend, man. Good luck. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. Ben McIntosh. Thanks, Benny. Um, a little breaking news there, bro. Taking the summer off. So he's going to lay it all out on the line here. You know that coming up here for Philadelphia, and uh, he's going to be a member of that Wings team for a long, long time. That is a veteran move there, taking this summer off. More I know guys a lot of the, I know when he was, you know, playing coming out of Drexel in early years, like we had going on those deep man cup runs. Like he's had his fill of, of summer ball. Ben McIntosh for a couple of years there playing was probably one of the busiest Canada. lacrosse players in the world, yeah. right? Like yeah. Team Canada, indoor, outdoor, deep man cup runs, deep playoff runs with the rush. Like there's not a lot of guys 
that played as much lacrosse as Ben McIntosh probably over the last decade. Um, so, so he I, I don't blame him summer for off. Newly married, he's got to keep the exactly. wife happy and uh, keep the body right as well as he gets a little later on in his career. But a lot of good productive. Yeah. Man, is he so good, Brad? Like he- so, per- so consistent too. He just hit the thirty goal plateau again. Every season of his career, except for the COVID year, he's been above thirty goals, which is something that only like Churchy does. Curtis Dixon does it. Um, there's only Dane Doby does. There's only a handful yeah. of guys that consistently just do 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. And he is one of the best crease and inside finishers that we have. Yeah. Plug and play, drop him into any offense and he's making it better. No question about it. Uh, Let's try and make this podcast a little better as I struggle for a segue. As we head into quarter number four, Evan's back. We're going to crown a who you got champion and we're going to get some jumbo bucks in your pocket with some wax class locks as well. Keep it right here. Episode 182 lacrosse flash podcast network. Double overtime game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores. Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring. Make it taste it. Listen to this place again! You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queen's Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. During his 14-year career in New West, Wayne Goss buried 812 goals, 1,040 assists, and 1,852 points. The all-time assist and point records for the WLA. At the time of his retirement, Wayne held 41 WLA scoring and face-off records and shared four others. According to Stan Shillington, the legendary historian of the sport, in his opinion, Wayne Goss was the greatest all-around player in box lacrosse history. He set the WLA playoff points record in his final game before retirement, with his dedicated Bellies teammates looking to set him up on almost every play. Tragically, an accident shortly after retirement left Wayne with a brain injury that would change his life forever. You can still find him at almost every home game with his joyful smile lighting up Queen's Park. Join us for stories like this all summer long as we celebrate the tradition that is Salmon Bellies lacrosse. It all continues June 2nd when the Salmon Bellies take on the Burnaby Lakers. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we head into the fourth and final frame. You heard it right there. Brand new sponsor of the podcast. 24 Man Cup titles. The pride of the Royal City. The new Westminster Sandbellies are hopping on board here for the next few months. And uh, well done on the little piece there on, well, one of the greatest to ever pick up a stick in Wayne Goss, Brad. The Kings of Queens Park uh, will be a regular feature here heading into the fourth quarter for the foreseeable future. And we look forward to working with the Sandbellies. Happy to have them on board. And a couple of notes to tell you about the Bellies. You heard it there. June 2nd, opening game at Queens Park. A couple of other things coming up prior to that, though, Brad. I know they have the the big smoker. Uh, the newest Mr. Sambelly smoker is always one of the most fun things to take part in. I think I'm calling a game in Burnaby that night, but uh, Bill Copeland Sports Center, not too far away from the old New Westminster Curling Club. So after uh, getting out of the swamp, I think I'm going to head to the smoker and uh, maybe partake in a little bit of cards and who knows, maybe win some money on the draw. 
and uh, Feed the Fish is making a return as well, Brad. I don't have that date pulled up in front of me, unfortunately. I don't know if you do as well. You can find uh, find that while we're chatting along here. But uh, Smoker, Feed the Fish coming up. Home Opener is coming up. And uh, we should probably drop this news as uh, we got this kind of handed to us on a platter. Tendy Bear, boys. Zachary Higgins will be patrolling the crease at Queen's Park for the Bellies this season. I believe Alexis Bouquet playing senior b-ball this year, and the Bellies went out and got Higgy. Bellies are all in, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun talking about the Bellies this summer. Feed the Fish is May 19th from 7 until 9, hosted by one Jake Elliott. The first hour is going to be a season preview featuring interviews with current players, team management, um, and then you're gonna have host a hot stove with some bellies legends, Rod Bannister, Dave Durani, Ben Helchies, uh, Paul Del Monte, and more. You can find that on Facebook on May 19th. But when I think of summertime in the Lower Mainland, you know it's obviously in my own backyard out here in South Delta, but Queens Park Arena, and I can't wait to make the trek out there on Thursday night. So I'll be calling some of those games, but hopefully maybe just just hanging out and eating salmon burgers and drinking beer and catching up with. Uh, old friends and watching lacrosse in what I think is the greatest lacrosse barn in, in Canada, bar none. So summertime is Queens park arena. So I'll see you there jumbo. And I'm happy to have the bellies on board for the next few months here. As am I. And, and we'll learn the history of the bellies, some of the great players, the teams that have come out of that organization. That's uh, well, well over a hundred years now. And uh, we'll look forward to it, man. It's going to be a great year. God, I might miss WLA lacrosse. Like I'm so now I got three weeks to kind of sit and stew and get ready. But then it's go time, baby. And it's gonna be five, six nights a week at a barn calling a game. And I'm all in, man. I'm <laughs> I am so fired up. For this summer of lacrosse, I want like I saw, you know, the kids have been out running around for a while. Evan, I know you're gonna be doing a little bit of coaching. Back there in Sask as well, the Junior B's just started up. Junior A's right around the corner. We're just a couple of weeks away from WLA, and and summer lacrosse is back in a big time way here in Canada. Let's go! All right, uh, quarter four. That means it's who you got time here. Let's go. Who you got? It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. That will be the last time you hear that little sound drop for a little while as who you got. Unfortunately, Office Pool Junkies is not putting on the playoffs here. So last week was the final week of the regular season, which means who you got is done. And we have ourselves a champion. And by the slimmest of margins, maybe we should get this out of the way here first. I finished 33rd. Brad, you finished in 27th, I think. And Evan, you were up in 16th place. Gets you absolutely nothing, by the way. Um, Bragging rights. Yeah, well, go ahead. Nobody's listening. So, congrats to, to, to you two guys. But the big winner by one single point, and Evan, you can break this down. Don Aldred, Roughnecks fan, not only did he go perfect on the final week, the biggest week, the most important week of the NLL season, seven for seven, 
He wins the week, and he wins the overall title by one single point. Don Aldred, congratulations. He got a couple of prize packs coming your way. And I'm sorry to Renee and to, to Johnny Harnett, who, real close, Evan, but not close oh, enough. Real close. Yeah, uh, John Harnett literally had Georgia won that game, John Harnett would be our champion. Overtime, right? too, right? Overtime. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the same thing uh, with Rennie there. That It's like... He, oh, excuse me, has, Rennie. I got that he, wrong again. He corrected yeah. me and I screwed it up again. My apologies. <laughs> but he had Panther City instead of Saskatchewan. And that was literally the difference in, in the end of the game. So a lot of these season-long things, they normally somebody breaks away or gets blown out. Like, even fourth place was four points out of first. Well, that's where Don came from to win it, too. He came back from fourth place, jumped up. Fifth. Yeah, so that's impressive stuff there. But, again, like he said in his acceptance tweet, I guess you could say, it's it was never a sprint. It was a marathon. He didn't win a week all season long until the final week of the season. And, like I said, history was seven games on the docket. Gets it done. On the final week by one point, what a competition this was all year. Well, it's the same as how the National Lacrosse League standings and season went. Like, there was people that broke away early and then faded. Maybe John Harnett is like the San Diego Seals of office pool junkie. uh, Get this guy down to Vegas, man. I know, right? But congrats to to Don Aldred, who I be- sounds to me like a mob boss. Yes. Like, Don, Don Aldred won the office pool. Who you got challenged? But yeah, he was right there, and and what a wild week to finish it off. A record-setting seven games on one day. Um, super, super impressive, and congrats to Don. And thanks for everybody that played all year long. We had a lot of fun with this. And I know there was over a hundred of you guys and girls hanging out with us and participating in this and, and that and every week. So it's been a lot of fun and, and we'll try to launch something up again like this very soon, because I know you guys are liking it and, uh, and we have a lot of fun with it too. So thank you for participating with us every week. Absolutely. And, and thanks for listening every week as well. And the biggest thanks must go out to our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear who Put on uh, the contest here and and sent out the prize packs every week. Uh, Don's getting himself a blunt, pair of Blundstones and a bunch of other stuff. Who knows? Maybe Don will get himself a Storm Rider line jean jacket as well. The corduroy collar features the classic Storm Rider styling that has become one of the most popular jean jackets of all time. For work or play, this is the perfect jean jacket for you. Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. We thank Stampede Tack so much for sponsoring the podcast. And you got. Evan, uh, Brad and I broke down the playoff games in quarter number one but since we're not doing who you got just give me your uh your four winners quickly here for this upcoming weekend bandits pretty simple toronto very simple we'll get to that last lock i'm taking the upset with philly okay and i'm taking calgary all right evan well done on that that might have been your most concise decisive analysis of games right there you just like bang you picked it well done uh, especially since a couple of weeks ago it was an absolute train wreck 
All right, uh, that is who you got. Congrats again to Don. And one more little segment to go here. We're not giving up on this. It's playoff time, the chase for the championship. So let's get some Lax Class locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. There you go, Lax Class Locks, Cool Bet Canada. I've been uh, on, on the horse here for a little bit, but uh, if you're new to the podcast or you have not signed up to Cool Bet Canada as of yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. This is the perfect opportunity, playoff time. It makes the games a little more fun when you got a little something riding on it. So head to coolbet.com and up in that top left corner, deposit, you sign up, it takes like two minutes tops. Sign up. Use the bonus code when you have your first time deposit. Lax Class is your bonus code. Real easy. Lax Class. And Coolbet will match you up to $200 on your first time deposit. Put in $200, you get $200 of free money. I don't know why everybody is not doing this. So, Lax Class locks here, guys. We haven't even talked about this. I haven't even looked at it, to be honest with you. So, I'm going to defer here while we pull up the numbers, while I pull up the numbers and, and have a look. I don't know if you guys have a pick ready or I've got a parlay ready. Well. Brad, are you good, too? You said you're always prepared. I don't know if I believe you right now. I'm always prepped, man. There, um, I'm a little surprised at some of the odds this weekend, just because it is the playoffs. I thought things would be a lot more conservative and a lot safer because as we've seen this regular season, as we know, anything can happen. Expect the unexpected biggest underdog of the weekend, according to cool bet are the Albany firewolves. They will play plus two twenty on the money line. Second biggest underdog is the Philadelphia wings plus one ninety five. Mammoth are plus 106 on the money line. And the crazy one to me, and Evan, break this down for me. Halifax and Toronto on the money line, both at minus 110. So the odd makers seeing this one is potentially the coin flip game of the weekend. And this isn't my coin flip game. Colorado Calgary would be a coin flip if anything. But to me, this is, this is, if I'm starting, if you want me to start off, here we go. Like that is the first pick is like Toronto Rock, even money on the money line. Doesn't make any sense. And so we'll put that one into the last class parlay as well. Um, Calgary at minus one. Now Colorado's plus 106. Calgary's minus 130. I like what Calgary did this past week. I think they keep that going. I'll take that. And here's the thing. Philly at plus 195. But... You can take Philly plus two and a half for minus 122, which is just under even money. So I've got that all locked together at a plus 515. So 20 pays back 122.92. Nice. Brad, lay it the on The odds me. are absolutely, like I said, the odds well, are absolutely listen, bananas this weekend. Like, listen, listen to, listen Brad, to this, guys. Brad, I'm, I want to just get in here. Just for the people that don't may not know this, that we're recording on a Monday afternoon here, and we're staring at these odds as we speak. As the mo- the week moves along, and as the betters lay down their money on one side or the other, 
the line will change on this. So you may get better odds, you may get worse odds, depending on how long you wait to place your bet. I just want to make that clear for everybody, because everybody may, what you see on Monday may not be what you see on Friday. Just take note of that. You know, I, I we talked about this in segment one. Like, I think, I almost guarantee that there's going to be a four seed upsetting a one seed. I don't think it's out of this world to think that both could do it. I really think that if Dougie Jameson has a standout night and a career like night, which he's fully capable of doing, there could be an upset there. So there's some crazy jumbo bucks being thrown around. I'm going to take, I'm taking the Albany Firewolves at plus 220. I'm taking the Philadelphia Wings at plus 195. I'm taking <laughs> the Toronto Rock at that measly even money minus 110. You put those three together, guys. Give it to me. Plus 1,702. <laughs> 20 bucks would win you $340.44, just if you want some Dane Doby um, change in your pocket. But it's, I think it's completely it, – Philadelphia has already beaten in San Diego, in San Diego, as we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. It, it's doable. One and done game, Albany and Buffalo – doable you're, Toronto, you're selling me on this challenge like you this, are selling me i also want to say like before you I, I usually the last few weeks i've been really a fan of the the handicap and in a playoff scenario you are there's going to be a lot of close games like i wonder what would even happen if you took every underdog at plus 1.5 yeah. and put that all together I'll you're still probably walking you. away pretty good okay uh quickly here here is my parlay i'm Mixing things up here a little bit. I am going over 21 and a half between the Mammoth and the Roughnecks. I think that's a pretty low total. And I think we're going to see some goals scored in that playoff game. So give me the over at 21 and a half. I'm going under with Dougie and Vino in Buffalo. Under 23. That's a pretty big number for those two goalies. I know they got some firepower on offense. But I think playoff time, defense shows up. Goalies are going to show up. And I'm taking the Philadelphia Wings at plus 2.5 because that number is just ridiculous and I can't stay away from it. So those three add up to a 563 and a cool bet return of 132.64. And if I can just continue on here as I'm going to lay out my my combo parlay pick, it's the Philly pick at plus 2.5. You guys can find the other two. I got Toronto at 110. That's what I had, yeah. Okay, and then Brad? What do you want to throw in there as your lock of the week? Give me the Mammoth plus 1.5. It's going to be another close game. So you're winning money if they win or if they keep it within one. All right. So when you hop on CoolBet, you sign up, use the bonus code, get free money. Then in the little search bar there, just put in lacrosse classified parlay. And you'll see the odds up there for our combo parlay for this week's Lax Class Locks of the Week. That is going to wrap up a huge... We got something I was just going to mention something here because Brad asked the question. He took every underdog on the handicap, and I'm taking Toronto as the underdog because it goes either way. It's a plus 749 for a 169.76 payout. Okay. Wow. So it's just all games just... Have to be close to do that, and you're walking away with so some Toronto trouble. plus 1.5, Colorado plus 1.5, Albany and Philly plus 2.5 each. Yeah, that is enticing as well. Uh, stay cool, bet responsibly out there, people.
I also want to throw in, they have the NLL futures up as mm. well. Will a Canadian team, let's just kick this around between us. Will a Canadian team win the NLL cup? Yes. Plus 100. No minus 122. Evan Schemenauer, who you got? I've got yes on it because I'm taking the Toronto rock to win it. I could honestly, I could see a Sandy or sorry, a Calgary Toronto final very, very easily. So give me a yes to that as well. Yeah. I think we're going to have a three-way sweep there. And as of right now, winner of the NLL championship, Buffalo bandits are plus 175 Toronto plus 320, least likely to win Albany Firewolves plus 2000. All right, guys, uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at Brad Chow, at Shem Lax, at PXB for Sports. The show is at Lax Class on Twitter, Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. We've got a Facebook page. Email is at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Review, follow, subscribe, do it all. And also support our sponsors in Stampede Tech, Associate Labels and Packaging, Cool Bet, Rycor Construction. And the new Westminster Sam Bellies, brand new sponsor on board. Big thanks to Jamie Dowick and Benny McIntosh for stopping by. And a big thank you to you for checking out Wax Class each and every week right here on the home of it, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. We're out of here for Evan Scheminar and Brad Schellner. I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.